Welcome to The Wave, where we discuss the wave of AI adoption as it happens with some of the industry's leading experts. Like, subscribe, and share to join the discussion about the future of AI. Joel, welcome to another episode of The Wave, where we talk about the wave of artificial intelligence, specifically in business and the enterprise. Um, today, we're going to talk about the landscape of AI and where it will be evolving or where we think it's going to evolve to over the next uh, five years or so. Absolutely. Well, good morning, Patrick, and uh, uh, great to be here. And I, I look forward to, to going over these key points for the next five years. Always exciting to think about the future rather than always uh, what happened in the past or what should we do today. Yeah, that's funny that you say that though because we always do frame the future based on what we saw in the past because there is a natural progression to new technology and to emerging tech. And while of course I would love to talk about the future and we certainly will talk about the future, um, maybe let's start kind of with today Instead of starting from the past, we'll get there, right? Instead of, instead of going right to the future, we'll get there. Let's talk about today. Like, what, What's the landscape in AI in the enterprise and AI in the business in 2023? Who are the major players? What's the state of the industry? So today, I think we, we all know the, the market and the situation is extremely vibrant and also extremely noisy. It's very difficult to understand and to know what is real, what is hype. And I think that we are seeing the first phase of the usual evolution where there's a disruptive technology. Now for AI, it is definitely a disruptive technology that has had already a few go at it. Uh, but definitely with the large language models, uh, we have seen a whole new engagement and a whole new interest, renewed interest in AI. So obviously what we see is uh, uh, in these cases, there are often some, let's call it foundations that are required. And these foundations are provided today by key players. And, and those are no surprise in this case with uh, OpenAI, that is a very strong alignment partnership with Microsoft. So Microsoft is another key players that have been involved in many, many major technology evolutions over the past decades. Uh, so Microsoft is, is, is right there in, uh, in the front lines with other companies like Meta, like Google, um, and, uh, and others that are collaborating or leveraging this type of, of advancement. We do have some uh, innovative, innovative startups that have been making quite a bit of uh, noise and progress in the last few years. One that comes to mind is Jasper.ai that has been riding the wave of what OpenAI and uh, GPT uh, technology has been having to offer. So that, that's the landscape that we have with major, major players that are providing capabilities and technologies that really no small company can uh, touch or even attempt to compete with. 
However, it's generating a huge opportunities for many, many smaller players and new entrants in this market to innovate and to build uh, and to leverage all this innovation that's been made available to them. You know, one of the things that I find fascinating here is AI, as you just mentioned, is uh, it's really a lot of, of interest, a lot of um, progression has been made from previously unknown brands, right? OpenAI, although, as you just outlined, Microsoft has a strong partnership with them. Meta's got a lot happening in AI, as does Google. But we don't really hear much, at least not today, about some of the large players of yesteryear, the IBMs of the world and such that, um, and, and, and what they've done in AI in the past or in the future. What do you make of that, right? I know AI is something that is a been around for years and years and years, but today, as we think about artificial intelligence, perhaps it's different than what we thought about 15, 20 years ago. Why do we not hear about some of these large, you know, computing brands such as IBM or others in today's present atmosphere? That's a really good question. I I would say that um, you know the story or the uh, the fact that elephants get trained. Uh, to stay, to remain in the same place by being attached by a chain around a post when they're young. And then eventually they remove those chains and the elephant never leaves the post unless um, he's allowed to. And so I think that uh, what is happening in the industry is really large companies um, that have been in the game for decades. And I'll, I'll say it again, this is one of the things that is extremely impressive by Microsoft that has been Absolutely. in that game for decades, but that somehow manages to sometimes slightly late, uh, as we've seen in, in, uh, in the, the smartphone industry, for example, had some, uh, some failures there and trying to keep up with, uh, with the evolution, but overall has been present in all the major revolutions, pretty, pretty impressive. But I think that a lot of companies, including IBM, uh, find themselves having old habits that die hard, and it's extremely hard, as we know, to change a company's DNA. IBM has been successful at reinventing themselves quite a few times, but in the world of AI, things evolve so quickly that it's um, pretty much a, a given that some of these large companies will be a fast follower. So. The, the key here is that there's always innovation at the beginning. When we say certain major advancement infrastructure is being provided by a large player, what that means is somebody came up with a groundbreaking, disruptive approach to do things differently and then require buy-in from a larger player. It's the same as Android was a small startup, was bought by Google, and then it became a game changer in the handheld and uh, smartphone industry. It takes, it takes the two ingredients, the innovation, the small team that thinks differently, that has a different DNA, and the giant that's going to provide backing and uh, the environment to thrive in. Really interesting insight. <clears throat> and I, I like the the way that you described how you know Android started as a small startup and it really blossomed into what it is now after the 
the Google acquisition. We saw the same thing with YouTube, small startup purchased also by Google, and now YouTube is what YouTube is. And, and this is a perfect segue into one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, which is how can knowing the history of like other tech and other advancements help us to predict where AI will be going in the coming years? So, you know, what you just brought up with, um, with Android is a pretty interesting kind of um, anagram to this. I'd love to hear, you know, a little bit more insight on that. What do you think we can look at in other industries or other tech, whether it's cell phones, whether it's you know, smartphones, internet, and so on. What can we learn from those and how can we apply it to AI? Well, every time there's a new technology, there's excitement about what the possibilities are. But there are immediately also some limitations and there are some challenges that are being ignored. Uh, so limitations are being taken into consideration a little bit too much. And then limitations are being ignored a little bit too much. And what that creates is a, a situation where uh, those limitations, if we look at the case of the, the Internet and the handheld, they both go hand in hand until people were able to have compute power in their pockets, the Internet would never reach its full potential. However, when the internet first became available, the limitations were bandwidth. It was still very slow. We all remember the, uh, the terrible noise a modem connection to the internet was making at the beginning of that era. And, uh, and we all thought at the time, I mean, I, don't, I shouldn't say all, but the collective thinking at the time was, this is great that we have connectivity, but I don't see how this is gonna be useful anytime soon. And we know that the rest is history. Uh, right. Things like bandwidth became completely irrelevant uh, very quickly, and that enabled uh, the next evolution. The same goes with handheld device. Having the bandwidth, the, the power, the access to information, but if it's in a, uh, in a desktop computer that is at home only, that will limit a lot of the use cases. And until these elements are being removed, uh, the industry has no appetite for innovation in these new use cases. So the same, the same is going to or is happening with, uh, with AI, where some of the limitations right now are compute in some cases, but more specifically, more visibly to the current population uh, would be accuracy. Uh, mm. We talk about hallucination with uh, ChatGPT. We talk about the, the fact that um, uh, there is a need for always having a human overviewing and reviewing. That is a significant limitation into our ability to, uh, to expand these uh, at scale. These issues will be addressed. Uh, when we think in more than a, a self, six to 12 months time frame, they will be addressed and that will change the game. So I think that some of these elements are, are really uh, critical to, to understand. The other element is when there's a disruptive technology, there's a lot of innovation happening in parallel. And only think of it as a, as a horse race. There's only one horse that can win. There's only a couple that can be right behind and have a good, uh, a good result. So you can imagine that uh, in AI right now, it's not a 20 horses race, it's uh, thousands of horses race. Sure. 
but that race hasn't taken place yet. So anybody that's on the starting line has the same objectives, the same dreams, the same intentions to go and win that race. But obviously, there can only be a few that win that race. And so the the, the key here is uh, we see with large companies uh, that provide the right environment to uh, some smaller innovative startups. That's probably a good place to to look at on what some of the main trends are going to to be, and then to try to anticipate and uh, and build those businesses and. And, and companies and use cases around that, as opposed to trying to all the companies going through the same race. And what I mean by that is everyone trying to get the best model, the largest models, the most, um, uh, the, the models with the most uh, amount of parameters. This is a race that many, many companies will lose, most in fact. However, the ability to leverage what the winners in that race uh, are going to provide in the next five years is the place to start from now and to build from now. That's a really interesting perspective. And I, I have a few points I want to kind of um, pin on or you know, that I've pinned. One being, I really liked the the reference to the early days of the World Wide Web. You know, we all have memories of the dial tone, right? Uh, well, maybe not all of us, but, but I certainly do. And I know that you do. Um, my kids have no idea of a world where the Internet was only available via a phone line on a desktop computer in your living room. Right. They they grew up with a smartphone with everything available all the time. And um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I believe we all see a future where AI is as ubiquitous as, you know, um, mobile telephony and mobile internet on a smartphone, right? So that's interesting. And and I like that perspective and that little bit of nostalgia there. The other thing that I thought was really interesting, and I'd like to get your insight on this, is you referenced this race, this horse race, there can only be one um, winner. And while I agree with that, I'm curious on this maybe bit of nuance on it, what you think here, which is in AI, it's so widely applicable. The use cases are so vast and varied. Do we need to think about it as a race where there's one winner? Or is there many races happening simultaneously? What I mean by that is there's AI for use in business. There's AI for use in creation. There's AI for use in personal life um, and use cases. So are these all one race or are these several different races where there can be multiple winners at one time, um, depending on what the outlet is? And maybe that's a, a hard question or too nuanced, but I'm curious. No, I think that's a really good question. I think that uh, definitely to think of it as one race and one winner is a little bit oversimplified. Uh, however, there are some areas where they won't be the, the, the number of, of winners will be counted on one hand. And what I refer by this is, again, it's always good to look at what happened in the past without I, I, I do want to talk about the future as well, not just the past, but yeah, we'll get there. Only, Let's move after this one. <laughs> there are only so many companies that have become a major computer manufacturer. There are only so many companies that have become uh, that have have been able to build a, a smartphone operating system. 
There are only so many companies that have been able to become a cloud infrastructure provider. And all of these cases, you can count. The, the, the stake of the market is, is counted on one hand. And that's what I mean with, uh, with AI. That foundation, who is going to provide the leading technology is going to be counted on one hand. And so that's a race that the thousand of other races that take place uh, should not concern themselves with. That's, that's the main point. However, definitely, there's, and this is the interesting part, understanding that allows for companies to refocus and to, to retarget their market they want to go at, and they can play into their own race. That, and there's a lot of races to be won there. That's, that's the exciting part. There's always um, this, this notion of, in order to succeed, one need to be the best in their world. It doesn't have to be the best in the whole world. You can be a professional athlete in a country, in the league. You don't have to be the best in the whole world. You can still be, still be professional and, and make a living doing what you love to do. The same applies in business. There's not only one market, there's not only one place to be successful, but it's important to understand what market, what race uh, we're playing. And right now at the, uh, at the AI level, there is a worldwide race happening and that's the one that we have to be extremely conscious of and take into consideration to know where to invest funds and energy. Perfectly explained. That makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate that, that outlook. Um, and you're right, Joel. We've talked a lot about the past. Let's move on to the future here. Uh, you know, We spent maybe the first uh, 10 minutes or so talking about the past, and that is a good way to frame up the future. So uh, let's move into to where we see AI and business going. What can we expect? Um, where do you see... Where do you see us going? So in the, in the short term, what I can see is obviously AI is going to become much more ubiquitous, ubiquitous as you mentioned. It's going to be integrated in existing applications and systems. And it's going to mainly be used for gains of um, efficiency, cost, uh, and things of that nature. The, the key driver, though, in order for, to, to move on to the next level and to remove these barriers and obstacles, that these limitations that we talked about, is going to be data. So let's talk about data for a little bit. It's no secret with digital transformation that data is the new gold. Data is the new... Um, energy supply to the high-tech industry. So there's no, no question there, but I think that we're gaining a lot more clarity as to what that landscape will look like in the next five years. So if we look at companies that have uh, a lot of data, what can they do with AI? It's, un uh, it's important to understand that for data to be useful to AI, the data needs to be understood, understandable, needs to be clear, and needs to be understood with as little as possible processing and reformatting as possible. 
So an analogy there is, as humans, we learn a lot through reading books. So now imagine if somebody says, hey, Patrick, good news. I have a thousand books for you. They are fantastic. Read those books and you will learn something that you have never even thought possible that you could acquire in a small amount of time. This is really what we want to do with AI, right? Is to sure. learn faster than ever before and to apply it at a scale far greater than we can at the human level. Now, there's just one little problem. These books, they're not in any known human languages. They're just information. You're not sure. There are bits of words. There are bits of codes. And you need to go and decode them. And you need to go and, and translate them. And you need to essentially extract the information that you can from them. And only 10% is becoming uh, something that you can actually consume. So now you've spent a lot more time trying to understand that information. And you, you lost 90% of the valuable uh, data. This is the same with AI. When we say we're tracking all the data from devices, connected devices, social media platform, um, uh, data lakes are being filled by enterprise data. The problem is that's great. That's, that's, uh, that's very, could be maybe one day valuable, but it's uh, at best a diamond in the rough. At worst, it expired. It's useless. It can't be used. And so as we get into the, the next phase of AI, in the next five, five, uh, five years, there's going to be another race. If, since we're on the, the topic of races, there's going yeah. to be another race, and that race is going to be for data. It's going to be A, to have access to data. So what does access to data mean? I, I don't want to go into the, the consumer world where a, a, uh, applications are tracking user behaviors and uh, asking for permission to use the, the data. Uh, we're going to go more on the enterprise side where we have enterprises that can um, generate unbelievable amount of data based on what business they are in. And that data can be made available either for themselves or they can resell it to third parties uh, for pretty hefty fee. So the ability to have these partnerships and access to these vast amount of data are going to be critical. Now, what's important is the quality of data, as we mentioned. So now, if you think about if this data can be captured and stored in a way that AI systems can understand them out of the box, that's going to be the first phase that is critical. Quality of the data is going to be more important than quantity of the data. But as we all know, with only quality, this is not going to be able to unleash some of the key use cases that we want to have uh, down the road. And it's going to be required to first build the quality, have this data generation uh, going to be automated, therefore real time, any new capabilities and solution and deployments will have to feed that uh, repository, this knowledge repository. Uh, and, uh, and then once we achieve that first step of the, the quality of the data and we can start build from there, 
then we can really turn on the tap and have the quantity. And that will, in my mind, unleash use cases that uh, are not even imaginable at, at, at this point. So this, do, this, this, this race for data, in, in some ways what we're doing is obviously, to your point, we're working to collect the data and understand how to sort and process and utilize it. But in another way, if we're using the intelligence term and, and we equate that to the human brain, we're creating neural pathways for the AI to understand how to utilize the data, right? How to sort it, how to work more effectively, which will do what? It will improve processes. It'll enable faster decision-making and better outcomes. Like what is the purpose? What will we see tangibly from the AI race, the data race, and then the application of the two? So the first thing that we will see is uh, the initial limitations will be removed in terms of uh, accuracy and uh, reliability of the suggestion that AI makes. Uh, that's something that uh, is inevitable. It, it will happen. And the data, the quality of the data, and then the quantity of the data will enable this. Once you get to that point, and this is, this is something that's really hard for some um, folks to imagine now because we are at that point where we get really excited and we see these limitations and we don't know how to, to resolve them. But it will, it will be extremely fast that these, these will be behind us. Now, once you have this, you can have um, the ability to make decisions, to understand patterns on volumes of information that we've never been able to, to deal with before. This will uh, help with various sectors. One of them that I, uh, I really, I'm really keen on is research. Research that um, uh, look at advancements of, of really of the human race in general, uh, from medical research uh, to scientific research. And some of the limitation in research is simply the time that it takes to look at results of experiments and to make decisions on what the next steps are going to be. And so there are some opportunities there to accelerate that process uh, tremendously. And so that's only possible when uh, automation by itself, and I would say low level of intelligent automation is not sufficient to have significant gains. I mean, we are already tapping into that acceleration, but once we can add the intelligence based on a much better set of, of data and, and models can be trained in a much, much broader way, and broader but also more specific about uh, industry needs, that will create that, uh, that acceleration. Now, the second thing is to, to, to keep in mind, there are going to be some other limitations that are not related to AI that we need to keep in mind. If we look at an example, a recent example with uh, the COVID vaccine that had to be uh, developed in record times, this is a good example where going through data, being able to um, uh, create the, the scientific formula uh, to the vaccine can be done and will be done in the future a lot faster, but clinic Clinical trials will still always require, nature has its course. It takes, if it takes two weeks for a virus to, um, uh, to infect a, a host, it's going to always take two weeks. And so the, the multiple iterations to understand the effects and the efficacy 
of a, uh, a vaccine will, will still uh, take some time. So that we have to be conscious of these, these natural limitations that will remain, but it will still influence and accelerate everything else. And that's a significant opportunity that, that we can take on. The other aspect is if we think about the macro level, uh, economic, economical policies that need to be set, uh, we're going through a pretty intense time now with inflation and interest rates and um, uh, uh, you know national banks that, re that, that need to make tough decisions as to how to handle that, what decision to make. Uh, how to, uh, to uh, see, is this the right time to stop uh, interest rate hikes or to pause or to even decrease the hikes? I don't know about you, Patrick, but I still have the feeling that uh, even though a lot of data is being gathered, um, uh, a few number of people in the back room someplace are looking at uh, summaries, executive summaries of all these data and making decisions on very, very few data points. And so now you can imagine when AI unleashed the full potential and the ability to not only predict based on what has happened in the past and key indicators, but to, to detect new, um, uh, new aspects, new, uh, new decisions, new possibilities and new patterns ahead of time, when the intelligence can truly get to that level that we can't imagine, imagine now because we only have a limited set of information on a per user base, on a per individual basis. Sure. Uh, so now when you have that next level, uh, you can imagine what, what will be possible. Of course, yeah, so that they... creates a lot of fears as well because now you're, you're counting on artificial intelligence to make even more major decisions, uh, but at the same time, in my, being the optimistic always, uh, it's better to have more data points. You can still have the human, in the end, the human can make the decisions, but having the data point that can show you the way in a more detailed way, I think is going to be extremely beneficial and a game changer. Decisions can only be made with data and the best decisions are made with the most amount of data and the most amount of insight or value that can be extracted from said data. So it stands to reason that with a properly trained AI device and a human being um, and the right data coming from the right places at the right time, that is going to improve our decision-making for policy, for business, for you know, any number of, of, of use cases. And if you have too few data points, you're, you're still guessing, you're filling in the gaps based on what you've seen in the past. And with more data to fill those gaps, you're able to do better prediction and make better decisions. Absolutely. And then the next, the next evolution to this is more intelligence because we've, we've been focusing, uh, these, these discussions are way too short to, uh, to go through all of the, the details that, that we need to cover. Um, but it's, it's one aspect to have the intelligence to go through process, understand a vast amount of information and recognizing patterns. It's another thing to be able to act on it intelligently using AI. And that's something that um, uh, we may or may not uh, all agree on what consists of intelligence. Uh, 
Uh, for example, is an autonomous car intelligent? I will say no. It's very impressive. It's extremely advanced. But all a car is doing in the great simplification, and I don't want to take away from the challenges and, and fantastic sure. scientific uh, uh, development and, and breakthroughs to get there, but all a car, an autonomous car is doing is looking at very um, uh, a number of parameters and keeping the, the car on the road, keeping the car between two lines. And as the car deviates from that trajectory and recognizes obstacle, decisions are being made to change direction. And that's all it is. There's no new learning real time. Uh, there's no um, uh, intelligent decision making that are happening in a car. Uh, another example is, uh, I think we've all seen by now or, or owned a, uh, an AI-based uh, uh, automated vacuum uh, cleaner that uh, will have the ability to detect the surface in a room and uh, repeat and, and, and you know hit against the wall and say, oh, not there, and go back in a different direction. That could be seen as, as pretty intelligent, but again, it's, it's not. It's simply sensors and making, uh, making rules and, and, uh, and calculations based on those sensors. Where it becomes intelligent, and that's where the access to more quality and more uh, 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 quantities of data is when one of these devices can encounter something that is different, that has, hasn't been trained for, but that it will then be able to build a unique expertise and experience into making autonomous decisions based on that. For example, if a vacuum gets tangled up into uh, debris of any sort, um, it will simply stop working. And uh, it will not, unless it can detect that there's an obstacle, it will keep going into that same, uh, same, same debris and, and get stuck again. Now, the ability to recognize before, to get stuck once into a type of debris that uh, is, is going to cause that issue, and to be able to remember and say, next time I see something like this, I, I will not go over it because I know this could be uh, bad news. And the same happens with uh, the human brain when somebody touches a hot surface. We learn very quickly. Uh, we haven't been trained for it. We have been, we have been trained for more basic uh, capabilities, which is if it hurts, don't do it again, right? Sure. Uh, and the same thing happens with, with machines, but humans were not, were not taught don't touch something hot. We actually do it and then we learn. It happens that most of us uh, experience it, but there are other things in life that only a few of us experience. We still learn. So the same thing is going to happen with intelligence and that's why uh, data is, uh, is so important, is to enable this next level of intelligence. That's fascinating. And you know, the, the example of don't touch the hot stove or surface or something like that, those are learned experiences, but they're innate, right? There's also these experiences that are just built within our DNA from hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, such as, you know, um, I don't want to get too deep into to this topic, but, you know, if you hear a sound at night, you know to be alert and you know to be alert because our, our um, you know, ancestors were alert to the sound at night to keep themselves secure. And so that has been passed down through our genome for hundreds of thousands of years, right? And with AI, with these data points in such a way, 
that is that DNA of the AI, right? And it can yeah. learn perhaps quicker. It's not going to take thousands of years, but it'll learn quicker because we have more data points for it to access, allowing it to, we'll call it expedite that learning process and to, you know, kind of build that into its decision-making modality. That's that's a great point. And imagine the way current AI models and large language models have been trained. There's a lot of human or automation that is uh, involved in actually uh, performing supervised and unsupervised learning, which means you throw something at the AI, you see what the answer is, and then you correct it. That's how you, you, you teach. But you have to do that specifically over and over again. Uh, and the data available out there is not, is not allowing a self-sufficient autonomous way of teaching AI systems. Uh, you can imagine that once we get over that hurdle and that the data available can be either uh, automatically processed in order to, to teach AI systems, um, think about a million times more training into the AI systems of today. And that's just a number, just a big number. Yeah. And then you can imagine the learnings, the, to your point, the, the DNA and the learnings over the last thousands of years from a human perspective. We can't even imagine what that's going to give us as a, as a result. I'm sure it's going to create the next level of, of fear and limitations and opportunities. But that's, that's what is the most exciting. And that, is, that will happen in the next five years. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. The the speed at which we are seeing these um, this development just unfurl in front of our very eyes is absolutely astounding. And you know, I think that the the use cases are continuing to be developed. We're seeing more and more places where AI can improve our daily life, our business life, and I'm really excited to be at this forefront. And that's what we're doing here at The Wave is, is understanding the wave, right, of AI at work, AI in business, AI in life. And um, although we spoke a lot about the past today, it's a great way to frame up where we see the future going. And um, as always, these conversations are fascinating to me and I know to, to anybody who's listening. And it gives us a lot of things to consider as we are ethically creating you know, these next wave of products utilizing artificial intelligence. Absolutely. And I, as, a, as a final thought, I will say that uh, uh, it's always important to understand what is going to limit ourselves or enable ourselves as the next wave of innovation. And today we talked a lot about data. There's, that's definitely a big sure. one and uh, uh, we'll have to keep a close eye on this. Without some of these limitations being removed, uh, innovation is, uh, is stalled or, or promises are, are not met. Um, and so it's gonna be really interesting and I look forward as well to see uh, what unfolds in the next two years and then in the next five years. Well, there you have it. These things are, are not happening in a vacuum, which is, is another fascinating thing about this is progression in one area enables progression in another, which then pr enables progression in another. And that chain has to continue for true progression uh, and, and, and innovation in AI. And, and that's fascinating because they both do feed data side 
and the uh, development side, they feed back and forth with one another. And that's where we're going to see the true innovation play out. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Joel. As always, this is a pleasure and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Patrick. Have a great week. Yes, sir.